0: Hi everyone, welcome to People of Periods. I'm your host, Frida Tong, founder of EcoPets Australia, speech pathologist, and advocate for allowing and creating space for your period to be heard and to have a voice.
1: My name is Anika, I'm 22, and I currently reside on the Gold Coast. I became passionate about women's health for a whole lot of reasons. I was diagnosed in 2016 with um, endometriosis, and then in 2018 Um, with
0: adenomyosis. Annika, I would love for you to tell us how you became passionate about women's health and your role at Quendo. So I actually initially met you through an event um, that Quendo were running. My passion really started uh,
1: through my background of public health. So public health, one of the main aims is advocacy. So I found this was a real great space for me to get involved in, something that affected me personally and something that I could also bring my professional experience to. I personally didn't want other women suffering. I know a lot of women have a really rough journey with their diagnosis taking seven years. So, yeah, on average, about seven years to be diagnosed. Um, so I really didn't want women to suffer on that path anymore. So I suppose that's where I organically transitioned to being a part of Quendo so I look after the policy side of things with Quendo as well as facilitating events here on the Gold Coast and you'll often see me floating around Queensland doing a lot of other things but I think that's the beauty of Quendo it's a beautiful like family environment.
0: Oh sure I definitely feel that family environment whenever I'm at an event with you guys. Could you tell our audiences what does Quendo stand for and what do you guys do? Who's in Yeah. Yes. So, Quendo is, um,
1: it's been running for 32 years this year and Quendo stands for Queensland Endometriosis. We had a bit of a name change last year to be just Quendo because we were finding that a lot of women from other states were feeling like it was just for Queensland women and that's not the case at all. We have members from all around the world, not just here in Australia and interstate, but yeah, internationally also. Quendo's I suppose ethos is just to be the helping, guiding, shining light for women who suffer from endometriosis, adenomyosis, PCOS, or any women's health issue. So we really encompass all of women's health rather than just endometriosis. So we've transitioned and I suppose made it a little bit modern in looking at all different aspects of women's health rather than just endo. So we have the annual Women's Health Expo that this year is sponsored by the Queensland Government. We are just about to develop an app, which will launch in the next couple of weeks. It's an app for women, a women's health app, looking at period tracking and all sorts of things like that. Mainly, we do a lot of support meets. We have a support line. Yeah, we kind of really do a lot of different things. We have a wellness section where we look at yoga and meditation and natural therapies for endo. Um, So yeah, it's a really great modern NGO to be a part of.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that you guys encompass All the different, I guess, things that can go on with women's bodies and different things related to menstruation that could be bigger than what, you know, they might be thinking that it's just period pain, but it could be, you know, as you said, PCOS or endo um, and all the rest of them as well. Mm -hmm. If we step back a few years, you said that it usually takes about seven years to get a diagnosis. Do you mind sharing a little bit around maybe the first time you got your period and your process to getting a diagnosis for endo?
1: Yeah. Hundred percent. So um, I was quite young when I first got my period. I was nine, and a lot of people were like, "Oh my gosh, that's so young!" But in hindsight, that's um that's pretty normal mm. for someone with then I vividly remember my sixth birthday party and having immense stomach cr- cramps, immense stomach cramps, and my mom just was like, "Get up, stop! You're being silly. Like you're fine." And my specialist has actually said women can ha- start to have symptoms, like you can start to develop endometriosis from when you're you a child. So I suppose just to give an insight, endometriosis, it is cells like or similar to the endometrium. So the cells that line the, en- um, the inside of the uterus, it's like, it's not the same. Um, yeah, there's cells that are like, that are found outside of the uterine cavity. So yeah, I first started having, I think, symptoms probably when I was really young, but I got my first period at nine and it was painful, but nothing super unbearable, but it progressively got more painful as each period would come. So I was diagnosed in December of 2016 and I was diagnosed with stage four endometriosis. So I had lesions on my bowel I had some on my bladder a lot in my pouch of Douglas and on my ovaries so I ended up spending a couple of nights in ICU because I was really unwell Um, my body didn't really cope well with such a large operation and large anesthetic yeah I think it (sighs) It did take a long time for me to get diagnosed, but I was very lucky and thankful that I was diagnosed at 18 years of age. Like, I was pretty lucky. A lot of women go a lot longer
0: without a diagnosis
1: or without a treatment plan in place.
0: I think that your experience with endometriosis and getting that diagnosis, I guess, kind of later in life, but at the same time, not super late. You said you got it at 18. I feel like a lot of these stories I'm hearing a lot recently and a lot of women are probably experiencing painful periods. What were some of the other symptoms that you experienced before you maybe saw a doctor um, and before you got that diagnosis? Yeah, so I had a really, really heavy period. So no one in my
1: family had had a history of heavy periods or anything like that. So my periods were so heavy. Like, I remember one time at school, I had caught the bus and sorry for the graphical information, but I caught the bus and, you know, my mum was like, oh, I'll put a tampon in. It will probably be a lot nicer. It was sports day. And by the time, like I had a 45 minute bus drive to my school and like, I couldn't take the tampon out when I got to school. It was that soaked and expanded that I vividly remember standing in these horrible toilets behind the school tuck shop trying my almighty will to get this tampon out. And I eventually did, but good Lord, like I just could not believe. So I've never touched tampons ever again after that experience. So yeah, I was constantly a really heavy bleeder. So I was constantly changing like sanitary pads and all of those sorts of things and I honestly wish that like the cups the menstrual cups and those sorts of things were around I'm sure they were around but not not nearly as progressive of what they would have become I think in the last five years um so I really wish I had some other option rather than just reusable
0: pads and tampons and things like that yeah definitely
1: yeah I just say
0: there is no such thing as a uh, too vivid explanation of anything here
1: like how heavy my periods were and i was i was diagnosed with anemia and at times i i've passed out because i was bleeding so much and at one point i now know it was from adenomyosis the other diagnosis that i received in 2018 but like i was passing like clots and it was, it's a, it was a real horrific time. So I'm rather pleased that they've managed to stop my periods at this stage.
0: Oh gosh, heavy periods definitely do not sound super comfortable at all.
1: No, and not in Australia when it's hot and sticky and no, just no.
0: <laughs> so my
1: gynecologist, and I'm going to say I'm not a medical profession at all. One thing I have vividly remember, my specialist and another dear friend of mine, who's also a specialist, Dr. Susan Evans, once said, is women shouldn't really get pain with their periods it's a natural thing we should we've been getting our periods for thousands of years it should just come and go and be this cycle or you come you get pregnant and then you redo it all over again so really I think pain for me is a red flag if anyone says that they're in pain can't move for a couple of days on their cycle I think that's a real red flag I think Yeah, there's a whole range of things that you can get pelvic pain. But I think pelvic pain is not normal. Like, especially when you're bedridden and yeah, I don't think that's normal. And I think a lot of the specialists that I've seen and spoken to, they don't think that's normal either. So I think like for me as a patient and also I I can't comment because I'm not a clinician, but anyone who's bleeding continuously or for a prolonged period of time, I think that's also a really big red flag as well as pain that's outside of the cycle. But quendro has a range of beautiful um, educational material. It's quite aesthetically pleasing as well that has all the signs and symptoms of endo.
0: Yeah. Painful periods are something that I've experienced myself and it took me a whole 17 years to finally get a diagnosis Um, and connecting in with the endo community was something that was really pivotal for me in Starting that education journey, so um, I think yeah, it's really amazing that you have you know a community of women who are experiencing the same thing, and you're there to really support each other. Anika, how are you currently managing um, your endo? So I know you know different women who have had laparoscopies, some that have changed their diets and things like that. How is how how are you managing yours?
1: I have an amazing team around me, so I think the key to a successful treatment. So you can have your surgery, they excise it. You know, some specialists will be like, "Off you go, you're all fine now," which I don't necessarily believe. It's something that can come back. It's something that can be really painful to still manage, even though that there's no lesions there. So um, Susan Evan describes it as visceral, visceral hypersensitivity. So it means that. When one organ's unhappy, they're all unhappy in your pelvic cavity. And that really resonates with myself, especially having, like I mentioned previously, I've had problems with my bowel. That's probably been my main thing. So I'm a big believer in having a really powerful um, team and looking at it as a holistic model of care rather than just surgeon cut in leave. to so the biomedical approach. So I have some of the things that I've done, I'm vegetarian now and no one ever told me to go vegetarian and it's completely your own choice. But I found that's really helped myself. My partner is a carnivore. He loves to eat meat. (laughs) And I think that was my main problem that I was eating quite a lot of meat every night, a variety of different sorts of meats, but predominantly red meat every night. And my bowel wasn't happy because it was having to process all this protein every evening. So I've gone vegetarian and I feel the best I've ever felt. Actually, I feel really light and less sluggish and I don't have as many problems with constipation like I did before. That was a really big thing after my last surgery with what was excised that I was getting quite constipated. And also the progesterone medications can make you quite um, constipated as well. My treatment now is I see a naturopath, a really amazing naturopath who also has endometriosis herself. So I'm on a few different natural supplements, um, one's called NAC, and there's been some really great research conducted, some formal peer-reviewed research conducted for the use of NAC with women who have endometriosis. I still see my gynecologist on a really regular basis. He was the one, Dr. Graham Tronk, I praise him to anyone who's in Brisbane, he was the one who diagnosed me with adenomyosis when I thought all hope was lost, really. He has put two marinas in. So I currently have two IUDs and I take a medication called Visan. So that's my treatment at the moment. It's constantly changing. I think it's changed, I would say a good 30 times since I was first diagnosed and before that. But that's, I think that's something you've just got to embrace about this condition. Just be flexible. It will change. Sometimes it gets a bit tricky and challenging, but you know, hopefully you're one step closer to finding the perfect combination for yourself, I suppose.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's Mm -hmm. so important to have a whole team behind you. So multifaceted. I mean, just as human beings, we're so multifaceted. Um, And you mentioned um, adenomyosis. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, could you just explain to um, our listeners who aren't familiar w- with what that is? Yeah, yeah.
1: So, um, I don't know. Myosis is the evil stepsister, I suppose, of <laughs> endometriosis. <laughs> so you can't cut it out like endo. Can you can't go in and excise it. So it grows into the muscle linings of your uterus. So it's the same tissue similar to or like endometrial cells that go into your muscle walls of your uterus rather than externally like on your ovaries or bowel it's in your muscle so it can't be cut out it's a bit of a pain to treat because you know endo you go in you you excise it for a little while you put on a treatment and hopefully you pray that it doesn't come back too quickly the problem for me with that is, yeah you can't get rid of it. So that's why I'm on the VASAN and I'm also, I have the Tumorinus, but I also see a pelvic physio and I think that's really important. Seeing a pelvic physio is really important if you've got endo or if you've got any pelvic pain, really, because they are amazing people. They are highly trained. They know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about and they've got some really great non-medical treatment options for people. And I found pelvic physio really confronting at first, but I think it's been a really great pivotal point
0: for me in my journey. Super amazing that you have a massive
1: team. Is there anyone
0: else that's pivotal in that? GP. You need a great
1: GP and my GP is absolutely amazing. She um, does bioidentical hormones for a lot of women who are going through menopause and things like that. But I went to her and one of the treatments I went through about oh, six months ago now I finished was Zolidex injections. So they were quite large injections into the stomach that put you into chemical menopause. And that was after my my last surgery to really try and get me back on track. And she she just like held my hand and she goes, you know, I've done these injections so many times. I've got a currently a patient who's on them. And she didn't tell me obviously the patient's name or anything like that, but you know, just having someone who understood and and got what I was going through was so lovely. So I think a GP is like your key go-to person and you've got to be like on the same page as them for successful treatment, I think. So finding a GP, a great GP can take some time, but I think it's key in your
0: management. I would absolutely agree with the GP being super mm. key. I think sometimes girls go, you know, through seven years, 20 years not knowing potentially because they feel as though a GP hasn't listened or hasn't seen the Mm -hmm. right symptoms or gone down the right route of doing different tests and things. So, yeah, I think that's really, really important.
1: Like I've been really fortunate to have really
0: two really great GPs
1: and I I don't want to let my current GP go at all.
0: That sounds so amazing, Annika. How is your period now? So how in terms of management, in terms of pain, going.
1: Yeah. So I currently don't get my period at the moment, which is great, but it's also, I'm starting to get the point where I haven't had my period since 2018. And I'm kind of getting a bit sad because I used to, I know it was painful and negative and horrible, but I, um, I read Dr. Lara Bryden's um, period repair manual book. And I'm like, oh, I'd love to just get my period for like one month just to see, just feel, I suppose, liberated and be like, yes, I am a woman. Like, you know, this is the fight that I've had to go through, but no, I haven't had my period since December, 2018 and it's great. Like it's definitely got its perks, but I really do wish it will come back soon, but not be as painful. I did some research at the beginning of the year over in Vanuatu before this whole coronavirus pandemic broke out. And I went to this amazing little, I suppose, social enterprise slash NGO in um, a really small island in Vanuatu called Mama's Life. And they are Vanuatu mamas that throw reusable sanitary pads. So I know it happens in a lot of um, developing nations across the, like across the globe, but they have really high rates of um, girls not going to school once they get their period. And in some of the islands, girls are actually put into a different, not solitary confinement, but a different, hut or space and they're not allowed to cook or clean or touch anything because it's it's dirty to have your period so they spread education and awareness to these um, girls and boys of Vanuatu and they go into different schools and different other organizations for youth and they one of their main things is yeah they sew and distribute these reusable sanitary pads and Frida, I thought of you straight away when I was there and I think I even tagged you in a bit of a post from when I was over there but I just found that was a real fire in my belly again to really I think you need these little things along these journeys to be like this is why I'm doing it and this is why I love what I do so pleased because it's been really challenging having to transition different events this year for Quendo online and it's been great but it also for me I really love connecting with the people on a face-to-face level and especially our beautiful um physicians and health staff that constantly 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 show their dedication to this organization and present time and time again through the goodness of their heart and the goodness of their
0: own will I love that so much. And thank you so much for having shared that resource as well and connecting me with Mama's Life. Um, I was super excited that you sent me all that information about them. And I think it just highlights that there are so many communities doing really similar things all across the world and something across like the menstruation space that I've kind of really seen consistently is that no one's in competition. We're all really here for the same cause and working collectively and it's just such a beautiful culture and community that's really fostered there. So I think, think, um, sorry, I think also like with mama's life, what really resonated
1: with me was they didn't just do menstrual pads. They did the educational side of things, but they also made um, like adult nappies for people who were disabled, like who are disabled and immobile. Not only are they here for us women of the world, but also here for our people, like people who are really quite vulnerable. Yeah, and then to see their education for the boys having like DV education sessions. Like they're
0: really here to make a stance. Definitely. I think that's really special that they, they, they're really inclusive in terms of being able to service people that do have disabilities. I think that's really important in terms of them educating boys as well. It, through our education systems, we always include the boys as well. I'm wondering, what's your opinion on the stance of boys around menstruation what do you think their roles are in our society yeah
1: yeah so I think it's I think it's really great and I think it's most definitely needed like my partner's grown up in a household of two girls um so he's got his mum and his sister so they've always been quite open but when we first started dating three years ago he had no idea what endometriosis was and he wrote a really great blog a few years ago in the hour for Quendo um, about being a partner and oh, I
0: love that. Yeah.
1: It was really beautiful. And it made me cry, which is really sad. Oh. <laughs> um, but I was really upfront. Like I knew I had endo when we first started dating and I said to him, "Look, like, I'm prepared if you're, you're not on board with this, that's totally fine. But he like, had no idea what endo was. He knew girls got their periods and you know, yada, yada, yada. But He like Googled and and he said it does not, like the Google representation does not gear you up at all for the ride that you go on. So I think it's really great the boys are educated, but I almost feel like they need a little more.
0: You know, something that really resonates there is that education is so, so powerful and education, not just for girls, but for boys and like all ages as well. You never know what Mm -hmm. you are without knowing different things about your period. Uh, No, what
1: do they say? Knowledge is power. And I totally, totally, totally agree with that.
0: Knowledge is power. A thousand percent. Speaking about mm. education, so before you mention Dr. Lara's book, um, The Period Manual, I'm wondering, <laughs> are there any other books or resources, tips or strategies that you might have for any of our listeners?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I've got three go-to books. So my first book that I ever got was Dr. Susan Evanson's book called Endometriosis and Pelvic Pain. It's an amazing resource and it's um, available at DIMMICS, I think, online. Um, Yeah, I think we sell it on Quendo's store as well. I do use the index all the time. It's a great resource that has different natural supplements, the dosages, as well as medical supplements, problems in bladder, bowel, anything. It's in there. Um, And she is really the guru of um, endo. Um, another book is that's only recently published, is by Dr. Graham Tronk, who's my specialist, um, and it is called Endometriosis 101 for the Significant Other, um, as a great tool for them. But it also is great, I've read it from a patient side of things as well from someone who lives with endo it's a great resource and then I think the third one would be Lara Bryden's The Period Repair Manual it's a good book that I think I'll have for a long time that will really help me throughout my journey and the evolving journey that it is, constantly evolving and taking different turns left and right and straight ahead sometimes Quendo tries to do face-to-face events but obviously at the moment that's not coming to fruition Um, but yeah, I think moving forward, we'll have a bit of a mix of both in person and online events. I think that seems to be working for a lot of people. So probably my main things, the blog and support events that are really good that Quendo does. I love that you guys have
0: a really one stop shop for everything kind of period related there. Um, all right. Amazing. So on a last note, are there any, um, final words that you'd like to say to any of our audiences? I think be your own advocate for yourself.
1: If you know that there's something wrong or something doesn't feel quite right and somebody tries to brush you off, really be that strong advocate for your own health and
0: well-being. Thank you for listening to People of Periods, a podcast by Ecopads Australia. Thank you so much to Annika from Quendo for sharing your experiences, your knowledge and passion for women's health with us today. I am Frida Tong and our podcast producer is Brianna Kennedy. Tune in weekly to hear a new episode of People of Period. Like and subscribe and follow us on this shared journey to give our periods a voice and help fight the battle against period poverty.